Welcome to a journey through the ever-evolving world of technology. This is Wagit What's Good in Tech, where we unravel the wonders and explore the impact of tech on our lives. I am your host, Shion Koshwedo, and today we're diving deep into the past, present, and future of tech. Tech is evolving at a very rapid pace, and we're here for it. From the early beginnings of tech in Nigeria, where floppy disks and uh, dial-up modems ruled the scene, to the present day where we carry the power of supercomputers in our pockets. It's a tale of innovation, disruption, and boundless possibilities. Today, we'll rewind the clock and uncover the prospects and challenges faced by the pioneers who dared to dream. We'll fast forward to the present, where technology has become an inseparable part of our daily lives, from virtual reality to artificial intelligence, the digital realm of transcended boundaries we never thought possible. The fintech revolution has shaped the financial industry, giving birth to a new era of convenience and empowerment. And now, we stand at the precipice of the future a future where AI, machine learning, and automation hold the keys to unlocking precedented potential. But amidst all the excitement, we must address the burning questions. What lies ahead of traditional banks? How can policy initiatives pave the way for a more vibrant tech ecosystem? And most importantly, what does the future hold for Africa's tech landscape? Today in the studio, I have a very interesting person, a VVVIP with me today. Uh, one of the champions of tech in Africa, the founder of CWG, a 30-year-old Pan-African tech giant, Mr. Austin Okeri. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. I almost got lost in your <laughs> eloquent introduction. I felt like a listener rather than a participant in the program. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm super honored to have you here. Uh, how are you doing today? Okay. okay, Okay. so we're just jumping right into it. But before we do, we like to do something interesting on the show, twist things up a little bit. So I'm going to ask you a random question, and all you have to do is simply answer. <laughs> if I know the answer. <laughs> you definitely know the answer, trust me. <laughs> so if you were to pick um, one choice over the others in these three choices, what will it be and why? And the first is drive only a Tesla car forever. Um, use only an Android phone forever, use a Mac OS computer as your daily driver. Eo, what will it be? Let me do by elimination. Okay. Uh, I use OS, the iOS of my phone, but on the, on the desktop I've not managed, so I'm still okay. using uh, the, the normal Microsoft desktop. Okay. So that's not my choice. Uh, and the second one was... Um, Use and what was the second choice? Uh, drive only a Tesla car. That was the first. Use only an Android phone forever. Use an Android, but I don't use Android phones. I use uh, I, iPhone. iPhone Say so an I Apple fan. Yes. I am an Apple fan too. But just putting out there. The first one is like the, the, the concrete choice. Mm -hmm. But whereas I have loved the Tesla car, because yeah. the car is always new, once you update mm. the OS, mm. it's like a new car. Mm. But they are electric cars. Mm -hmm. And if you live in Nigeria, where we don't have sufficient electricity, I just don't want to find myself in the middle of third mainland bridge, begging someone <laughs> to help me with that. So, um, that, that would have been my choice okay. in a city where electricity is plentiful. Okay. So, it's still my choice. Okay. So drive only a Tesla car forever is a choice. Okay, let, let's go for it. I mean, interesting angle to the different options that we have here. <laughs> okay, so AO, CWJ, company that you founded, hit the big 30 last year, like I like to say. How does it feel to be the founder of a 30-year-old company? That's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes we, we, we look at things from the 2020 Hindsight. Hindsight yeah. uh, is always 2020. When I started, I didn't know that it was going to be there for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that it was going to be the financial of, um, of the IT industry. But sometimes when we come on a program like this, we pretend as if we knew it from our mobile mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what 
pillar the the pillar in fact let's see the movie what it is that has celebrated 30 years and is still going strong mm. i think the first thing were the pillars that we hold in mm. so the culture was critically important mm. people can copy your strategy people can copy your technology right but people cannot copy your culture and the culture is underpinned by the values that you want to highlight mm. in the company. And those values indicate to people that are going to come into the company what kind of company you are. Mm. So if you do not subscribe to those values, you will not join. And if you do, you will not stay there. Mm. But those values are underpinned by certain behaviors. So let me give you an example. When you have a, a value, like respect. It doesn't do much standing on its own. Mm-hmm. But when you have behaviors that underpin that value, one behavior being B and C, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to be talking about respect, then let's be understand. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. So if you're going to talk about respect, the behavior will be put yourself in the other person's shoes. Uh, another behavior probably could be Call it as it is. Mm. You know, so don't prejudge. Don't judge based on someone's religion or tribe or ethnicity. Call it what it is. So if you have those culture underpinned by values, underpinned by behavior, then you will get to where you want the company to be. Don't get me wrong. That is only virtues. I mean, if I were running a drug company, uh, doing exporting of hard drugs, mm-hmm. this will be the culture I'm promoting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what I am doing, this is the culture I'm promoting. Yeah. So you can make a lot of money by smuggling drugs in and out, but that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. So you will not attract that kind of work. That's the key thing, making sure that you built your culture right. You also need, in my view, five things, of which one is the most important. Those five things are going to help you always be relevant. I call them the five forces of nature. Mm. And to make it easy, see if it is transformation, is equal to V, it is vision, mm. team, timing, resources, and results. First vision. Of all the five, the most critical one that within your control is the team. And make sure that the right people go onto the bus. And make sure that the right person is sitting on the right seat. Simply put square pegs in square holes, round pegs in round holes, empower them, let them let their creativity unleash into the company. You will see magic. <clears throat> and for each team member, finally, we request three things. One, character. These are some of the things that have differentiated CWG, and these are some of the factors that made it uh, transform over time and been so sustainably successful to today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I have a question um, that I have gotten from what you just said. Um, in a large percentage of companies today, you see that you see the CEO being a part of company, being a part of the company from introduction to maturity stage, up until you know a long time. Um, was there a particular knowledge that you had to acquire that made you understand or know that it was time for you to hand over to somebody else in CWEG? Or, you know, where this question is coming from is you do not see this in a large percentage of companies. The founder is always at the helm of the affairs from the beginning and sometimes to the end. What was that thing that made you understand that this was the particular strategy that I had to implement at this particular point? I think it's a common issue. Mm-hmm. It's not only a common issue in our time. It's a mm-hmm. global issue. Mm-hmm. Because the limelight mm-hmm. is very interesting to be in. Everybody is calling your name and uh, you, know, you feel accomplished. You feel appreciated. You feel very important. Mm-hmm. But there's nobody that stays in the limelight forever. Mm-hmm. 
can answer your questions from two perspectives. Okay. The first thing, the entrepreneur has something. That's why he volunteers to be an entrepreneur. Because he has a very limited budget. He's more or less the guy who visions. Mm. He's the guy who implements the mm. strategy mm. For, for the vision. And sometimes it's the operations guy, you know, you, you find that when you start a company, you are your, your salesperson, you are your delivery person, you are your messenger. So he's all around. He's all around. There's no beginning where he still starts and where he ends. But there's also one that is a step below, which is a square. Mm-hmm. So he has four skills. To be sales, technical, financial, and operations. Because you need those complement of skills. And when he started his company, he didn't have the money to get each of those four people in him. So he mm-hmm. knows all that. Mm-hmm. Below that, you have what we call an H person. And each person has three skills, two good skills and one skill across. Could be sales and marketing and finance. And then you have a T person who has one good skill and one on top, mm-hmm. and an I person, mm-hmm. just one skill. What we avoid and who cannot be an entrepreneur is an I person. A T person will struggle with it. And each person will do reasonably well. A square person will do very well. Mm-hmm. A round person like Elon Musk you can't even touch him. So that's the first part. But because he's a square around, he feels invincible. Mm. And that's what we have to be careful about. To make sure that we don't put a lid on the company. Putting a lid on the company is like saying that option of credit can never be won. Mm. Which is like it's now a goddess or a god. Mm. And nobody questions his decisions or his thinking or the direction he's going to. He then feels that without him, the company cannot survive. And he doesn't want to leave the company. So mm. he continues to be there. Mm. But if, as from the beginning, he mm. gives people empowerment mm. and he gives them you know, CRISPR's path of competence for them, mm. let them make mistakes. Mistakes are the way by which we learn. So you have a battalion. Maybe not a battalion, but a, 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 a few people in the leadership team that can possibly be, be the CEO. If the entrepreneur sees that there are three or four people that could possibly be the CEO, then he will have confidence to say, okay, I want to go and do something else. Because in the beginning, we're chasing success, which puts money in our pocket. Mm-hmm. But as time goes on, we're chasing a legacy, which is like giving back. So for you to even be a CEO that wants, that is trying to do that sometimes, you, you have to have a giving back program in mind that mm. you want to go to. If you don't have that, then you don't anything, you don't know anything more than what you're doing. And you want to be in the limelight. So you continue to do that. By the time you realize it and bow out, it's too late. There's nobody to carry the vision for. Mm. So the company dies from the person. Mm. I realize early in life that at some point in time, I want to mentor companies to be like the best in the world, mm. even though they are Africa rooted. Mm. I would have loved when I was running the company, when I was starting, to have had that mentorship. I didn't. So that is why I'm feeling that path for other people. I believe in shared prosperity. I believe that when you get to the top, you send the elevator back up mm. to bring other people. I believe that a rich man in the midst of poor people. I believe I can do little nothing by lighting the candle. So, the whole idea of the Aussie Leadership Academy mm. was precisely that to mentor entrepreneurs and business leaders. Mm. Let them scale their businesses geometrically by avoiding the mistakes we made, mm. obviously, me, by, but all that proven control mm. of uh, business leaders. Mm. And then increase the job they create so that we employ more people through that we have shared prosperity. That was compelling enough. For me to go and do, and therefore uh, another competent person to take a mm. Okay, so moving back to CWG, was there a moment where you you decided that you were going to shut everything down, pack it up, and you're not just going to do this anymore? Did you have that moment? 
I think you were with me in that moment because not many people I knew that I had those moments. Not just that moment, those moments. I can okay. tell you one of them. Yes, let's let's hear about it. It was it was such a down. Okay. Um, so we were just only a Dell partner. I took a decision that I was going to be a monocolor company. Not any day. Okay. We're only going to do everything Dell. Um, nothing of any other brand. And because of that, Dell gave us access to their white paper. We became like the Dell in, in Nigeria. In fact, when we were in Sioux, Larry, in Dabi Labushi, mm. they used to call the front of our office Dell Bus Stop. Which I didn't like. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dell gave us all their global customers in Nigeria to manage them, mm. including ExxonMobil. Mm. Now, ExxonMobil had a project that they were doing in the Upstream, they were drilling some wells, and they ordered precision Dell equipment from us. Very big order. And this order are made for that company. So we brought them in a cheap uh, bank loan plus whatever we can muster. This was a big hit. Mm. And then when the goods have sailed on, on the high seas, the government of the day changed the rules. So before then, we had destination inspection. The, rule, the goods come, they inspect it, and they tell you the duty to pay and pay it. They change the rules to source inspection using SDS Kotekna. The goods must be inspected, duty calculated before they ship. And then they backdated it. So what about those of us whose goods have already shipped? And the goods arrive here in Nigeria, couldn't clear them because they have not been inspected mm. before this back. Nobody wants to listen. My whole future was on that day. Mm-hmm. So I went to somebody and I explained to them the situation. They had their business to run. They said, okay, let us not help you. We could have brought this in by ourselves, but the rule of Nigeria says you must Okay, through local companies. And Dell brought your name for us. We don't want to know. Friday, if you don't get our order in, we'll issue a cancellation letter. So she, what am I going to do with you? <laughs> my, my house. The, the most sophisticated thing was a flat panel television to remove computers. What am I going to do with all these computers? Who pays for them? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, luckily, there was a flight uh, that I met, train him when they were doing their project, their technology project. And um, he saw me so downcast. Don't know what he came to do immediately. He asked me, I told him, this is the situation. So that's mm-hmm. the end of CWG. I mean, I don't know what to do. I took the goods back and I said, where are the goods? I said, Nakushev. Let's go. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Started the play process to introduce me to not two people. So Thursday we couldn't go. Friday he didn't go with me. So Friday I went to continue the clearing process with the waiver that I got. Finally I got the goods out onto the trucks at 3 p.m. straight to ExxonMobil, then we went. I go there and the big man told me that we don't know where they put goods by this time. The big man doesn't really know what is that. So I just told the driver, just ask me to answer the goods. I think it's up there. The driver did not care. Nobody was going in, nobody was coming out. Promotion everywhere. I said, no, these goods are not going anywhere. They are going mm-hmm. inside that place. Mm-hmm. So that's how we took the goods and delivered. Yeah. As we delivered the goods, I saw the cancellation letter. But I mean, what we have done, that was one of the close calls. Mm-hmm. There are many others, but this is the one that stands mm-hmm. out. The regulatory environment and the economical environment is obviously unpredictable. How have you been able to navigate um, environments that are as volatile and as unpredictable as the regulatory, economical, even the political environments. I mean, these are different environments that you cannot necessarily control. 
So how do you ensure that, or how have you ensured that you are shielded against the forces or the challenges that might um, come as a result of certain policies that might be implemented by these different um, sectors? Yeah, so, so that's the that's the elephant in the room, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, when you say a place is risky, we can quantify risk, dimension it, and price it in. Yeah. The difference when you say there's uncertainty, you cannot do the same with uncertainty. And so, the direct answer to your question is that we exist as a room from enterprises of the uncertainty. And when I go to my courses, I teach at Columbia Business School. I've been teaching there since 2009. Mm-hmm. They wonder part of why you know the value the competition yeah. has been. Yeah. Why are you surviving in that uncertain environment? It's not all doom and gloom because wherever there is chaos, there's opportunity. Mm-hmm. So there's huge opportunity, but it's difficult because. You can picture it like a ceiling fan rolling very fast and you want to rise above. You must kind of be rolling on a fan so that you take your head up and down, the fan doesn't slide. If you leave your head too long there, your head will just be cut off. And that's the uncertainty of mm-hmm. regulation. Mm-hmm. I know many companies that couldn't wait yeah. because of sudden regulation mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. And the worst is when you backdate it. And I'm sure you know uh, some of these things. So how did we maneuver? I said, well, let's look at how to mitigate this. Mm. On the product side, let's have three different products. So we had hardware, we had software, we had communications. It wasn't likely that all of them would be good for the same mm. We still have them today in TWT like that. Let's look at country risk. So we went to uh, Ghana, Uganda, and Cameroon. It's not likely that they all Mm-hmm. Let us look at the industry. So we put our strength in telecoms, financial services, and oil and gas. Mm-hmm. And then we said, let's look at innovation. So let's have a segment that looks at the new things coming and bring them into mainstream. So that segment could use what we now call fifth one. Yeah. So CWG is pretty solid in terms of mitigating that risk mm. by these um, mitigations that we put in. But this is a mono game to adopt with one trick, mm. one regulation to mm. Understandable. So what comes to your mind, talking about um, survivors and anyway, companies that have survived for the past 30 years, like CWG, what comes to your mind when you think of the earliest technology companies um, from over 30 years ago when you started CWG? Now specifically, um, what were the prospect for a founder starting out in terms of the success versus the failure rate, and then what was the business environment like then, and what happened to those companies that didn't survive? When I was getting into the industry, um, so I, I graduated in 1986. I did my UK in NMPC uh, in 1987. Okay. By 1986, I joined one of the big and it was heavenly. Computers were, you know, talking about 80s, mm-hmm. late 80s, early 90s. Computers were new. People were moving away from typewriters to computers. Uh, big mainframes were being replaced by mini computers. Big business. Everybody was cashing in the world. Dot-com boom. So companies in Nigeria will typically pay us 80% advance. That's amazing. 80% advance. Mm-hmm to bring in computers for them. But sometimes when things are so good, we, we tend to miss them. Mm-hmm. So the good companies then will take that money, instead of applying it to the order of the customer, they'll trade with it, you know, and then make a lot of profit and then eventually apply it. By the time the computers come for the late days, about eight months, probably even eight months. And that's precisely what I felt a bit worried about that I was spoiling my good name you know, because it was rosy. But when the customer starts asking you questions, I bet for me you're the one I bet. Where are my good stories? Stories you never tell. 
from the high seas, mm. from the low seas, is coming, is not coming. But you know that you cannot predict because it, it, the money is going to come. So that was a good time of the industry. Mm. As a result of that meeting, the industry got a very bad, people were very skeptical. They tried them to bring back their product, use foreign companies to come and do the project directly. Now the young companies inheriting this bad uh, legacy, start trying to start some government companies like Betaflex, uh, Charms, Microproducts, Simon, and the business became twofold: trading, which is buying and supplying computers, and implementing computer projects. They were not the same. So people that were buying and supplying computers, they thought they were computer companies. They were actually trading companies. Could have been buying and supplying cars. Mm. Then came the project implementation uh, companies. Some of them did very well. Some like Tara Computers. Uh, they are no longer there. Tara had an early success with an application called Autobank that you could even buy along the platform on the local site. How did it all go wrong? The discipline. Of change management. So when you are fixing bugs, mm. there needs to be one clean copy that upgrades everybody at the same time. If you don't, you are going to have different copies of the software running in different places, different protocols to manage. And so all of that is But that just gives you an idea about how difficult and different implementation is from just selling computers. Yeah. We didn't do well on the implementation side. Then comes in CWG and Cohorts, which now focus on a, a hybrid. So CWG's strategy was partnership with local with international companies, whereby CWG will be the local procurement and will be as good as an implementation partner as the overseas company itself. The first company we did that in the software realm was a company called Infosys. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was called Banks 2000. Lo and behold. There was such a relief in the market when we came in that approach. And our first sale was not just one, but three. Comet Bank, Standard Trust Bank, Jenny Bank. Sometimes success itself can kill you. <laughs> but then the company struggling to do implementation properly. Yeah. If we got them one at a time, I'll be happy. But three at a time, that's like having triplets. And nobody wants babies. But triplets is high to country. But, but we, 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 we went through that period and did a fantastic job of it. We supported the process. And that really made us a hardened implementation partner that we are today. As we did three at the time. That was successful. We did price blast uh, testimonial, and then we became dominant factor. First Bank College, UVA, Standard Bank. Today, we are the leaders in that, that uh, sector. But that's what it took to become serious. Many companies didn't make it mm. because it wasn't clear what the value proposition was beyond making profits. It wasn't, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. But no country is going to be in the rising tide forever. Things like COVID will happen. Mm. The tide will fall, and we know those that are swimming with it. And it turns out that a lot of companies swim with it. Very few that are really prepared, such as CWG, survive, and, and some other ones. But the majority, if you are just depending on the tide to float without having any difference, then you are not going to make it. Okay, uh, Eo, um, moving to the now, you mentioned also Leadership Academy earlier. Um, so I'm, I'm very much aware of your long term passion for impacting people and businesses, um, which ignited ALE. And, um, of course, ALA is five years, ladies and gentlemen. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> As the, how has the experience been for you generally? And what would you see are the biggest challenges for companies in this environment? I think for me, the biggest challenge about ALA um, was that people thought it was another business school. Mm-hmm. Business schools teach um, excellence. Mm-hmm. To people that want to learn either 
The also Leadership Academy is really about a bespoke dissection of your business requirements and needs, not based on a textbook. Mm. But on chapter water, based on the experience of the people that are running the area, I mean, you have all those various and diverse people. So, more often than not, I can understand what that is in the and bring up a unique solution that will help them. And the testimonies I've done in five years, many of the companies which we have impacted, including Disney Media. Mm. <laughs> Shout out to Disney Media. International great That is just But the idea of the Oslo Leadership Academy came directly from the seed of Leadership Academy. It's a It's more difficult than people think. Because when I was in one room in the based on the culture feedback that we had, people put adverts in the newspaper looking for stuff. And they put last line CWGP supply. Is there something I can do about it? People were just sweeping my stuff and to show you. You know, copy so much, putting in three positions. People just came. If you wanted every person to employ the best, just go to CWG. But people didn't realize that it took a lot of training to make the CWG person that person that you want. Mm. You know, and you could also help by boosting your own staff so that you don't have to uh, deplete CWG. About that time, a lot of the foreign companies were coming directly into Nigeria. And they, they were the masters. You can't match them. They are paying in foreign exchange. Sometimes it's that thing that says I have 40 percent more. So let's see what he says. I'm getting three times what I'm getting. By the time I do my dollars math and that, there's no discussion. So I said, okay, the best thing to do is to plant my own vegetables to supply my kitchen since I'm running a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we started training people within in the academy. They could be that they just left school or they're doing other kind of business, they want to come into technology. And we put them through class. And when they try to struggle, and we ask them, I want to be shuffled, how do I communicate this? In fact, when we were starting with ATM business, those were the inputs that we used. See, the Digital Academy is still there charging today. I understand that it's grown so big that we're looking for food. Building just for CWG Academy. Mm. And we saw how practical impact could make a difference in building somebody else. And so the also leadership academy is a direct replica of the CWG Academy, but it's not about business and so you had to deal with a lot of business. What are the challenges that you think that this business are facing in this particular environment? So there are critical thinking capabilities developing. Mm-hmm. In the businesses we do, learn that decision making is not at the level where the responsibility is. So people are always checking back. It is like delegating to, to your boss. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, you need to have Confidence in the competition. You need to be sure that you have the backing of your boss. The boss has to, which are sometimes a mistake. So many companies tell us, or the staff, that when things go well, they get a clap. When things don't go, go well, they get a sack. Mm-hmm. So what would you rather do? Don't do it. Go and ask your boss so that when things go badly, you can say, look at the guy, blame him. So the process were with mundane decisions. Uh, and when we come in, we provide a safe space to devolve the power. So the hierarchy is there, but the existing concept. At the end of the day, we are all leaders. And we have to look at business from an industry perspective. The first thing we tell the person, if someone comes with this problem or problem, and says, okay, so what should I do? Yes. That's nothing. That then takes 
responsibility of leadership and thought. Back to so I think so well, those are what I think you should. You say, well, that's a good start. You find it. Or why don't you think of it? But many of the bosses just because it's faster to just make a decision and move on. You just say go and do this. You think that guy is bad. You are five hundred people in the organization, maybe mm-hmm. six of you are executive directors, managers, etc. You're going to be making decisions for the balance of people. Imagine how tricky it would be. Mm-hmm. But if people are making decisions because they've been empowered to do so mm-hmm. and have the competence to do so and have the knowledge that they have the the organization has their back. There's going to be nothing hard about that. So that's what we do. Remove the friction, remove the hierarchy, give people the opportunity to know what each other is doing, to know what their boss is doing, to know what their subordinates is doing. So we have what we call alignment, but at the same time, autonomy. When you see a group of birds fly, I don't know whether you've seen them, they change shape so quickly. You know, you eat one bird is waiting to tell the other one, belle, belle, belle. But they able to do that because they have. Okay, thank you, Eo. It has been an interesting conversation so far. So we're moving a bit again from early to the financial services industry. I mean, the other time that you were speaking, you mentioned how CWD had played a big role in the growth that the financial services is um, experiencing right now. The financial services industry is undoubtedly one of the fastest growing industries in Nigeria. Um, how, from your sitting point, did that evolve over time, seeing that CWEG was a major part of this expansion, and what do you think is the future of traditional banks and their fintech contemporaries? Okay, so that is true. I mean, to take the financial services industry in Nigeria is so well ahead of its peers. If you go to West Africa, whether it be in Ghana, so you even as far as Kenya, Nigerian banks uh, are among the dominant banks in those places, not just mm-hmm. in Nigeria. And then um, you, you find that there are not so many foreign banks in Nigeria because it's a big bank And it didn't take a day to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, Nigerians, by their nature, are creative, innovative, sometimes too loud for their own good. <laughs> but if anybody can crack it, most likely in Nigeria will crack it. So when you put that mix together with a situation that forces creativity out of you. When Nigerians go out in whatever sphere that they choose to do, they excel. Because back home, it is such a environment. Mm. And that's the environment when you take uh, iron through hot fire to get it purified, it makes it makes that creative juice flow mm. uh, very well. So especially in the financial sector, when we started Many people didn't have a means of spending money on the goods of things. You buy from a scoop traveler's check or you carry cash, which is dangerous. And so a few people opened banks at Barclay. Barclay had a lot of it here um, in the town park and the rest. But Nigerian bank people realized the opportunity they are living on the table. So they quickly doubled up and came up with their own, then they said, Vanuka. Then there, the Mastercard seeing that hey, these guys are running away with the game, came in with their partnership, Visa came with their partnership. So Nigerian banks gave you cards to spend on yourself. So you didn't need to have your own bank cards. And you walk on the table. But then came all these multiple exchanges and so on. So there are restrictions on the amounts you can spend on the cards. Then the bank became clunky. Payments took a long time. Working and we maybe we saw the signs from person coming, mm-hmm. but we took it to a different level. We can say cash, offering, cards, and even CWG's own tech lab came into the ground very quickly. And the payments infrastructure here in Nigeria is far advanced than many advanced countries because their banks. Uh, well, uh, they're, they're doing well in their payments, but here because the banks were clunky, the fintechs pulled out that very well. And those countries have now become global companies. In fact, international companies have bought some of them, like Stripe bought uh, Paystack. Paystack, yeah. 
and that has been going on. You know, it's been that development has been very fast. There are new ones coming in the old ones that are making the decision. Where does that put banks into the question? If you are outside, you say the bank will take the fintechs will take the bank the bank's lunch and breakfast and dinner, maybe invite them here. If you are inside, it's not that simple. The banks still have a big role to play. They are the deposit taking institution. Mm. Even the fintechs need a bank to buy them. Mm. You know, some banks also went out to buy fintechs. I think you have to be very careful with that strategy. You know, to go and buy the name, say Flutter Room, it's not just the name. It's about the whole ensemble of the person, the idea, the creativity. So you're going to bring Flutter Room into the bank. Then you have to give them the space. You can't put them into the strict governance, uh, uh, creative governance compliance of the bank. Mm. The people will leave and you have an empty bank. So I think they will both have their roles to play. And they're both keeping um, pressure on the other to scale. But there is definitely going to be a case for fintechs and the bank. Okay, so we've seen banks that have lived up to 125, 129 years or more in Nigeria. Do you think that the fintechs would leave? To over a hundred. I think it's not because we are fainted that you live to be older or young. Mm. It's the value of what you are providing to the customer mm. and how the customer it makes the customer's life simpler, easier, cheaper, more efficient. Mm. If they continue to provide that value to the customer, as long as they do, they will continue to remain. But the customer's needs also changes. Uh, as time moves on, the only constant in life is change. Yeah. So as the customer's needs are changing, if they don't change to follow that, that trend, then they will be left behind. On the other hand, banks have retail customers and they have corporate customers. Uh, it's not likely that corporate customers will be using fintech for much. They want a bank that has a fiscal address, <laughs> you know, traditional mm -hmm. address. Mm -hmm. So that corporate space, I think, will be they continually be dominated by the bank. Will they lose space in the, in the retail, in the fintech? That would be painful because when we talk about cost of funds, the cheapest cost of funds for the bank is what we call CASA, current and savings account. Mm. Now, if they lose that, that will eat deeply into their pockets. Um, so they are going into uh, agreements with telecoms to use ESSD to put payments like the fintechs are doing. But again, there is who should pay for the telecom calls to, to, to do your ESSD. I'm told that they are proposing that the customer pays 7 naira per transaction. I think it will be deterred to pay from, from that transaction. But that channel is important for them to post in their payments to the bottom of the, of the pyramid. Will the fintechs live long if they continually improve and improve their services to keep the customers their own? When the Naira crisis hits, those with currency will be um, Some fintechs bubbled up so fast. I don't want to mention them to be like an advertising. That's that's it. And some fintechs that people thought were all that established did not. So they are going to leave their lunch to the wind. Some banks' uh, cards were going through. They got all their payments. Um, and some banks didn't do that well, even the establishment. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot to do with Global. And I'm very happy that Global's bank was getting a lot of happiness. But I also feel that people in Kenya don't celebrate too hard. They take it because they don't take the big deals that we want to admit. Let's take the concept when we have a big deals and we still are able to pass the transaction similarly. Uh, so we're coming back to tech. <laughs> what are some policy initiatives that you think will usher in a better, more friendly technology ecosystem in Nigeria? I think the most important thing is to remove uncertainty. I mean, let me give you an example of inconsistency. Crypto was set to be banned. I know banks that were fine. Because they keep the pitching and pitching to internet. 
then suddenly self announced department officer, the security and security information, and now the department is the people, the legal people, mm -hmm. then came back and announced that, oh, they have banned that black people company. So what is it? You can't be doing back and forth as if you're playing to this And they have to be trained. So when you say, okay, I'm no longer going to allow you to do it, then you have to give me to, to do other alternative arrangements. And then you have to do So it's not about what policy do you need. It's about being consistent and being reasonable with the time to implement a new policy mm. so that people can maybe put their money out of the picture. What do you say moving to court? People's money is there. How do you justify the restriction? Technology companies tend to be self-starters. And they create products and services in new areas. It takes regulation time to catch up on those new areas in order to make rules or guide rules. So technology companies tend to do the regulation by themselves. For instance, you take an Uber now, and you say you need to be driver, you need to be registered. Why? Because it's a self-regulation. But it gets to a point where a self-regulation is required, as we have gotten to education and education. And that's where we need the regulators to be, to be up and doing and stay with people to understand. You don't say you begin to stay away from family one. They can bring aspects into the government regulatory ambience that can provide the guidance for Looking at the current state of tech in Nigeria and largely Africa, what do you think the future looks like, especially within the technology industry in Africa? When I started in Nigeria, people may think we are looking at the area. In fact, even I in tech, when I was in school, we saw those people wearing lab coats in the mainframe computer room as aliens. You shoot your punch cards. You probably don't know what punch cards. No, I don't. Punch cards were removed by which you set the car into the mainframe. Okay. It holds in the car and the computer reads your tools and then it tells you. So ChatGPT today tells you everything you need in writing. Earlier programming languages like Fortran, Pascal, PSD, you have to learn the language of that program in order to interact with the system. Today, you can interact with ChatGPT without knowing any programming language. So we have democratized the whole environment of technology. So when you ask me about the future of technology, I think it's going to be pervasive. I think it's going to be commoditized. Uh, and I think that uh, it's going to be used for both good and bad. It can be used for both good and bad. The question is, how do you make sure there is no need for good and bad? I think this is where we need to come together and decide, like we did with Geneva Convention, how prisoners of war should be treated. And globally, everybody subscribe uh, to that. Now, if you have some people that Open to, to AI regulation and all these agreements. We are not going to go far with it because the people that are not will continually do what they want, whereas those that subscribe to regulation So I think we should really get to some kind of a Geneva Convention kind of agreement in terms of AI regulation. But it's going to be a norm rather than a society. Before now, you could find the say it's a green tech. You know, with all that is going to be. It's not going to be electric, it's going to be a car. So today, people that are hiring mm. are hiring their staff who have skills on how to optimize the use of AI. Mm. Suddenly, it becomes a requirement for everybody. Whether you are in media, whether you are in food processing, whether you are in technology, you need to work with it. Okay, so do you believe the school of thoughts that says AI robotics are going to take a large percentage of humans out of their jobs in the coming years? These big companies need to, need to hold certain aspects of that truth. That is not the first thing that's going to happen. It's not the second one. 
So let me do this one. When we were doing um, manual farming, and in Europe they used to have manual farming. That's where all the slaves went to, planting cotton, sugarcane, and so on. Manual farming. Then came tractors and combine harvesters. So the, the, the ratio was that. Instead of 80% on the farms feeding 20%, they only 20% on the farms feeding 80% because of the machinery. But it happened so slowly. So those people that have been made redundant found jobs in industry. Industrial revolution was starting, you see. So there was where the ground out school. And when the age of uh, digital came, I mean, when we thought in the 80s, people have had opportunity to train in technology and so on. The issue of uh, large language models that people encounter and the swift adoption is too swift. I mean, chat GPT was launched maybe 2007. Today we have chat GPT 4, which is maybe 10 times smarter than chat GPT. If tomorrow we have something that is 100 times smarter than chat GPT. The time frame in which people can transit to new skills is too short. So all of a sudden we have that loss of people whose jobs have been taken by the AI. Will it take people job control? Uh, somebody asked me to write a book for them. For them. Mm. And I, I, I very reluctantly said yes. Not that I didn't want to, but I didn't have the time. But this guy is doing television on LinkedIn, he probably doesn't have any other person that is attracted to this thing. And I just thought for myself, at the time that page I realized that having read the whole manuscript, not people that were watching the book, what are we going to do? So I, I did a screen key, I read it, the manuscript in the book. But to summarize it in paper, I had done some work by myself. And it was not a summary, it was about three pages, that's all I wrote. And I put it into ChatGPT. And it got a crisp, beautiful follow-up. How I don't know. I sent that call to that guy. The guy told me I don't know how many thumbs up. You know, but I just said to myself, editors, scriptwriters, uh, it's going to be useful because even translation, there are people that learn French in order that they can translate documents into French. Maybe they can translate something in English to produce the exact French or German or Russian. And what's going to happen to all those people? Lip sync on a movies. So, yes, a lot of people are going to be taught. But there's very little time to migrate to other skills or even to become an expert. So this is a bit off script, right? Don't you think ChatGPT will help people cheat the process or make people a bit lazy? So, so I don't even know that. You, I know you are brilliant, but I don't know that you are super brilliant. Mm. Which means you've done the work and want it to optimize it for you and to be a better student. So that is the way in which the machine learns exponentially, even if our own learning is limited. And I was getting to a place where people just wanted to generate PowerPoint slides. They didn't even know what had been generated. Mm. So you do a beautiful PowerPoint slide. Presentation and then mm. question comes, everybody is quiet. Mm. Because we didn't put in the work to understand the community mm. of what we're asking the machine to optimize for us. If we use it as a helping tool, that's a waste of exploration. If we use it to do an assignment for you without putting anything at the end. So if we use it to do our work for us, because we are lazy, the learning rate of chat GPT will not be exponential again because mm. the input is not that critical. It's going to probably be done before. Mm. But the learning rate of the of the person is not even going to be going up. It's going to be we're going to get dumb down. Mm. So that's another mm -hmm. Thank you, Eo. Uh, so finally, last question for the day, really. 
<laughs> sadly. Uh, so talk of AI and the likes are currently the biggest conversation of 2023. Uh, so how do you see this emerging trend and how does it compare to recent trends we have witnessed, namely crypto NFTs? Is there a future for AI? Let us look at it. When crypto was introduced, mm. it was introduced as a People were also happy to see the value going up. If the value of something that you hold is going up, will you give it up? Mm. No, because you believe it's going to continue to go up. So that's a conundrum. You can't say something is a currency and still tell people hold it because it's going to go up in value. So that's where the conflict is. So it lost every pretense of being a currency it was. And then the value started falling. I said, okay, yeah. You know what? It's, it's not even a store of value, it's a currency. But then they feel that we have to have a store of value. So if it's not a currency, it is not an asset. If it's a store of value, I can buy gold. So I think crypto is in that limbo of really defining the true value to the world. NFTs were raised, metaverse, I even hear that um, Meta is taking seven days at Meta. The, mm. the thing is that we don't know what will be a rave and what will be deep impacting technology. Mm. Temples. But so far, what we've seen with um, social intelligence yeah. is that it has proven its usefulness. People are actually using it and mm. adopting it. Mm. People are using mid-journey to do very deep design work. People are using ChatGPT to in anything that is tech-related or conversation. There are so many things that people are using to enhance their work, and it's useful. And so far as it's useful, just as I said about the phone call, mm. it will continue to succeed. This is the way it is. It will continue to provide useful mentoring and guidance to business leaders and entrepreneurs. Now, would you buy an NFT? And how, how likely are you more to buy an NFT than to use ChatGPT? What goes around that? So, so far, I kind of get a feeling that artificial intelligence is in a different realm compared to crypto NFT and so on. That's my fear. That's my fear. My deep fear is that artificial intelligence, basically large languages, if I say, Mary, what's the next thing that comes up? Christmas. Mm-hmm. If I say Happy New, what's the next thing yeah. that comes up? Yeah. So, Mary is unicorn. System guesses. If it says Mary, Christmas is coming. Mm. Happy New is diagram. Give me two words, I'll tell you what's coming after. Chat GPT is 33,000 words. Mm. Tell me 33,000 words, I'll tell you what's coming after. Which human being can do? All the knowledge of the world which we can and they fell into it as a result. Now comes the problem. You tell ChatGPT, what's the best way in which I can maximize my efficiency? And you have to summarize those sources. Those are the topic. Choose the baby stage into the water. Mm-hmm. But you know, ChatGPT, on the other hand, you tell it to maximize efficiency, not only will it catch all the fish. Catch the small fish and the eggs and everything. Totality. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow, you tell ChatGPT to kill the enemy and you describe the enemy. But you want him to spare women and children. But ChatGPT, remember, is super efficient. And he's thinking, why does this guy want to sabotage the job he's doing? So, what's the best way to achieve that? Job? What is that? That's what <laughs> Well, these are dramatics. Mm. So these are the mm. Thank you so much, Eo. It's a wrap. <laughs> We've reached the end of another exciting episode of Waget. Um, it has been a knowledgeable journey. We've literally moved from the financial services industry to tech to business itself. But uh, three things I have gotten from this episode, culture. Um, but culture might be a bit ambiguous, but break it down using behaviors. 
have a value proposition, then have a plan A to literally Z to enable you mitigate risk. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our deep, di deep dive into the world of tech, banking, and fintech. Uh, a big, big thank you to our incredible guest, Ayo. Thank you so much for sharing your valuable insight and experience with us. It has been truly inspiring. Uh, remember, the future of tech is bright, and it's up to all of us to embrace the opportunities and challenges it brings. So stay curious, uh, keep innovating, and never stop exploring what's good in tech. I have been your host, Shion Kushwedo. <laughs>